Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. My name is Aaron, and I am one of your hosts. There's another host that is joining me today, Daniel Sun. Yo, what's up? Now, before we start today's episode, I just want to say that no AI programs were used or harmed in the creation of this episode. The research for this show and all of its work was created solely by humans, me and Dan. So if you would like to support the show, then there's a few ways that you could do that. One of the ways is Patreon. Each week, we release a Patreon-exclusive episode that only Patreon supporters can get access to. To sign up, it's only $5 a month, which is only 16 cents a day. Not only do you get an extra episode per week for that $5, but you also get access to our entire back catalog of past Patreon episodes. In total, we have over 157 extra Patreon episodes, which is a lot of extra hours for your listening pleasure. Now, to see this full list of Patreon episodes, you can go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, and click on the Patreon Episodes tab. And there will be the entire list of past Patreon-exclusive episodes that we have published. Also, today we add another Patreon-exclusive episode, which is another Theories Thursday, where we talk about a mysterious death surrounding a celebrity, and then we talk about a serial killer. So you get access to that episode, as well as all of the others, for just $5. Now, if you can't afford a Patreon membership, but you want to help us out, then you can leave us a written review on iTunes or on Spotify, and that helps us out a lot. However, don't feel pressure to leave us one. If you don't want to, then that's fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoot, Sasquatches, Chupacabras, Ghosts, Illuminati members, Underground Lizard people, whoever or whatever you are, to enjoy the show. And that is the end of the announcements. So today's episode is a Theories Thursday. Now, if you've never been a part of a Theories Thursday, then Dan's going to explain it to you real quick. So on a Theories Thursday, Aaron and I, we both select our own personal Theory Thursday topic. It could be paranormal, extraterrestrial, anything. But we don't tell each other what it is until we start recording. So pretty much it is a surprise to us just as much as it is to you. The hardest part of this all is always determining who goes first. And for that, we have our 20-sided dice. And let's see, are you going odds or evens this week, Dan? I'm going odds. Okay, I got evens. So first, uh... Three. Okay. Because it's best three out of five. All right. Two. Ooh, one for me. Eleven. One, one. Five. Ooh. Two, one. Oh, God. <laughs> Twenty. Two, two. Two, two. Oh, oh the tiebreaker. The next roll determines the fate of the universe. Does that even count? That counts. Well, then that's at 18. So you're first. Damn, that doesn't count. That doesn't count. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. So I guess I, I start off this week's Theories Thursday then. So what do you got for us? So my Theories Thursday topic this week is about an individual named Larry Hilblum. Hilblum. Okay. And I know what some of you might be wondering. Who the hell is this Larry guy? Well, he was an American businessman and co-founder of the shipping company DHL Worldwide Express. That yellow truck with the DHL, the red in it? Yep. The shipping company. Shitty shipping company. Yeah, it seems to be what everybody believes is that they lose packages. 
But that's not what my topic's over today, okay? My topic's about the individual Larry, okay? Okay. So he created DHL back in the 60s. And during this time, he was studying law at the University of California, and he needed a little extra money. Now, this was before he started it. He ended up accepting a job as a courier for an insurance company and began running packages between Oakland International Airport and L.A. International Airport. Now, after Larry graduated, he met two other guys, Adrian Dalsey and Robert Lynn. Now, together, they came up with an idea of expanding the concept of faster delivery to other businesses. So in 1969, the three of them combined their last names, Dowsley, Hillblom, and Lynn, and created DHL, International Delivery Company. Now, in the 1970s, the only real competitors that they had were UPS and FedEx. Due to this, the domestic and international shipping markets were extremely profitable, and over the years, DHL became one of the global leaders in the logistics industry. The company now has upwards of over 380,000 total employees, earning billions of dollars every year, turning the original three owners of the company into extremely wealthy individuals. I'm talking almost billionaires, each of them. All right. So that's pretty much how DHL was created by Larry and his two friends. Now we're going to shift our focus more on Larry, okay? And like I previously stated, DHL experienced huge growth in the 70s and in the 80s. During this period, Larry became extremely wealthy. In the 1980s, he decided to move to Saipan which is one of the largest islands of the North Mariana Islands. Now, it was around this time that Larry also started several business and development projects in Hawaii, Vietnam, and the Philippines. He would spend majority of his time in and around Southeast Asia. And I know what a lot of you may be wondering. Why the hell are we talking about a shipping company, and why the hell are we talking about its creator? Uh, it, it gets very, very dark, okay? So just hang with me here, all right? So there's something else that you should know about Larry is that he was an aircraft enthusiast and he owned a number of vintage planes. Also, in 1993, while flying one of his vintage planes near Saipan, he ended up crashing. Now, he did survive that crash, but he needed facial reconstructive surgery. Now, you'd think after that incident, he would be more careful. That's not the case. Because less than two years later, on May 21st, 1995, Larry was flying one of his vintage planes to Saipan when suddenly he crashed into the sea. There was a large search effort for him. And the only thing that was recovered was a quarter of his plane. Larry's body was never found. So upon the announcement of his death, because everybody's like, oh, we can't find his body. He's dead. Larry died. DHL was all upset. You had a bunch of businesses and individuals who owned businesses and even like the political community. They were all upset and they expressed their sympathies and were like, oh, so sorry about this businessman, Larry dying, blah, 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 blah. And 
there were a lot of people at this time that were also curious as to who would receive his estate because Larry was valued at more than $600 million when he ended up dying. Eventually, it was stated that in Larry's will that he did not have any children and that the University of California would receive all of his money. However, this is where things start to take a very, very dark turn. So almost immediately after his death, women started to come forward from several Southeast Asian countries and claimed that he had fathered children with them, and many of them were underage. Like, I'm talking 12 to 16 years old whenever they had been raped by him. Now, due to these claims, a team of investigators were dispatched to compare the DNA of all of the children that were suing for a claim on Larry's estate. The investigators claimed that since the girls were located in different countries, if the children shared the same DNA markers, then, you know, they almost certainly would have the same father, which that would make sense. But still, you'd have to prove that Larry was the father. So you would need to obtain Larry's DNA. True. And when someone passes away and this happens, the investigators will usually take DNA from the body that had passed away. But in this case, there was no body. So they couldn't get it that way. So the investigators decided to go to his home in Saipan and recover DNA from his home. You know, because, I mean, you leave DNA around everywhere. Like hairbrush, stuff like that. Hairbrush, toothbrush, all that, right? Well, when the investigators got there to his home, they noticed that his house had been wiped clean of any traces of his DNA. The sinks in his home had been scrubbed with acid. His toothbrush, combs, hairbrushes, and clothes, all of it, were buried in the backyard by a backhoe, which made it impossible to retrieve DNA from it. Damn. Yeah. So the investigators were like, well, where the hell can we get DNA from Larry? You know, we we don't have any. They ended up learning that Larry had surgery at UCSF Medical Center years prior. He ended up getting a facial mole removed, and they learned that the medical center had kept the mole in storage. I don't know if that, if that is common. I don't even know what to say to that. Sir, would you like us to get rid of this mole or do you want to keep it? You can keep it. So the investigators, you know, they tried to obtain this mole for genetic testing. However, UCSF didn't want to give it up. And if you remember, this UCSF, they were supposed to get Larry's entire estate. Oh. Yeah. So they didn't want to give up the mole, but eventually they did. The investigators tested it, and it turns out that UCSF gave the investigators some random mole. It didn't even belong to Larry. It was somebody else's mole. How many moles do they have in storage? They got a mole storage. <laughs> Quick, go get someone else's mole so we can get the 600 million. Get our backup mole. <laughs> So at this point in the investigation, a lot of the investigators turned to Larry's family and they requested that his mother, brother, and his half-brother submit their DNA to determine the paternity of the children. But they all refused. They said, nope, you ain't getting our DNA. Ultimately, 
a judge that was overseeing the case ordered Larry's brother and mother to submit to genetic testing, in which they did. The tests ended up confirming that four children were in fact Larry's. This ended up opening up an entire, I mean, scandal, and basically showed Larry's true colors to the entire world because it was uncovered that Larry had been traveling to different countries on quote-unquote business trips, and he would seek out young virgin girls. On one of his trips to Palau, Larry had met a 16-year-old girl who he raped, and she ended up becoming pregnant with his child after he left. She ended up naming the child Junior Larry. On another trip to the Philippines, an older woman procured a 14-year-old girl for Larry, dropped the 14-year-old girl off in front of his condo, in which after Larry raped her, he ended up leaving the country, and she became pregnant with his child. Larry also went to Vietnam, where he had raped a waitress there who was around 15, 14, 15. She ended up becoming pregnant with his child after he left. And then right before Larry passed away in his wreck, he had a condo in Manila. Now, in his condo, he had a 13-year-old girl named Mercedes living in there with him. Seven months after Larry died, she gave birth to a little girl, which turned out to be Larry's. Yeah, it, it gets worse <laughs> during random facts. But in the final settlement, each of the four children received a payment of $90 million each. But it was reduced to around $50 million after taxes and fees. The remaining $240 million ended up being donated to the University of California. And that is the story of DHL and its founder, Larry. What a piece of shit, huh? Yeah. I hate to say this, but it gets worse. So, I ended up finding out some random facts about him. Larry had an irrational fear of AIDS, and that is the reason why he only wanted to, I don't want to say have sex with children, more like raping, but that was the reason why he requested children. And uh, it turned out that Larry had picked up or had procured for him dozens of young virgins, partly because he had an appetite for young girls, and also he had a fear of AIDS, and he didn't want to use condoms. As you were reading out, I searched up his name, and one of the first articles I found, it shows a couple pictures of him with younger girls. And underneath of it says, a friend was to say after his death that he had slept with more than 130 virgins. Yeah, so that was my next strange fact in finding. I'm so uh, sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. Uh, a lot of people state that Larry fathered way more than four children. But a lot of the women were scared to come forward. So he has like tons of more children running around. Um, also, another thing is that he actually owned a hotel in Vietnam. And in the lobby is a framed photograph of himself with some girl. And I actually have that image. 
and I'm going to post it up on our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com. You click on today's episode, and you can see this photograph. But I'm going to insert it right here for you, Dan, on our document so you can see it. What a weirdo, huh? That photo looks so bad for the fact that, look at the way he's, like, grabbing her hand. Exactly. It's like, you're going to take this photo with me, so you might as well smile. And look what it says. American billionaire, Larry. Wasn't a billionaire. Self-claimed billionaire. Then I'm a billionaire. Larry, what a piece of shit. He's not even looking at the camera. He's looking away and he's grabbing that chick's hand like, ugh. That's like the worst photograph you could have posted up in your hotel. Yeah. All right, so I do have a theory to this, and it's a pretty short one. So there's a theory that's floating around that Larry's plane did not break down in an accident but that it was done on purpose. He purposely wrecked it. So this theory is that Larry knew about all of the legal claims that were coming for him and that eventually all of this stuff was going to get out and people would learn about his horrible actions. So for the past few years before his death or before his faking of his death, he stored money in offshore accounts and eventually decided to fake his own death. He did a test run of this in 1993 with that initial crash and then two years later decided to pull the trigger and do the real crash. He crashed his plane and escaped, which is why his body was never found. He is now living in some other country continuing his horrible sexual escapades with underage women. That is the theory. But something doesn't add up and it's the mansion being scrubbed clean of all of his DNA and his toothbrush, clothes, and hairbrushes all being buried. Would he have done that before he escaped? Or would his family really have thought, oh, he did die, let us go scrub his house because we know the dirty secrets about him? Hmm. Like, oh, the stuff was buried in the backyard by a backhoe. Like, how do they know to search back there? I'm guessing there might have been it had to be recent if the dirt was like dug up, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. When you dig something up, there's got to be, there's going to be that fresh dirt. Hmm. I would say it had to be after he passed away. I would say it would be his family. Just for the fact that, I don't know, he would have to go in there. I mean, shit, his family would have done too. Because I would say like, you would probably leave something unless you're a professional at cleaning, wearing like hair nets and all that stuff. You may leave something else. Yeah. True. Do you think he faked his own death? Probably. Yeah, that's where I'm going. I'm, I'm thinking he faked his own death. I mean, he owned a hotel in, you said, Vietnam, which he probably is not staying there, but with the exchange rate with U.S. money to the currency over there, he could live a pretty decent life if that's where he went. Yep. So there you go. That's my theories Thursday. I learned about this a few days ago, and I've never heard about it before, and I thought, what a great theories Thursday topic to educate everyone with. So if you or a loved one is using DHL shipping company, just remember Larry was the prior owner of it. Okay. So that right there is my theories Thursday, Dan. I hope you enjoyed it. I did. And I found some other stuff that's kind of interesting to go with it. Ooh, well, let's hear about it. Junior Harry Hillbloom. So he supposedly inherited a hundred million dollars from his father's estate. He was living in a shack and conducting fishing tours in Palau. Now, as I'm like, okay, you know, he's not going off spending all that money. He's doing something good. Then I scroll down to the next photo. And it's talking about he was relaxed about his life. But in reality, 
he is unable to leave Palau and is facing the possibility of prison over drug smuggling charges. Yeah, because he's like 30-something now, I think. Yeah, he's 32, and guess he's been smuggling drugs under the cover of fishing tours? Hmm. Sucks for him. Yeah. But yeah, this, there's a lot of photos of him with younger girls. Larry or his son? Uh, Larry. Okay. And it's just that, like, say his friend said that, oh, yeah, he slept with over 130. What kind of friend are you? Piece of shit. Right? He should be charged, too. Ooh, I was about to drop that bomb on him. <laughs> anyway, sorry to get you riled up, Dan. And I'm sorry for anyone else that it triggered, you know, and riled you up. I didn't mean that. It's all good. All right. So off of Larry and his sex tourism and freaking rape. It shouldn't even be sex tourism. It should be rape tourism, what he was doing. But off of that and onto your topic, Dan, which down here you have cryptid. Now, before we get into that, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. All right, welcome back. Which, down here, you have cryptid. Is that what your topic is over this week? It is. This one kind of intrigued me because it actually involved part of the CIA. Ooh, CIA cryptid. Yeah, they, they had a hand with this one. So the cryptid that I chose this week is called the Aswang. Say that one more time. Aswang. As Wong? Yeah. Okay. Your As Wong is that, for looking at me like that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, tell me what this As Wong is. All right. So what caught me off guard about this was the fact that the way this thing is described, I'm surprised that me and you never, like, noticed it when we were doing, like, Skinwalkers and the Wendigo Cryptid, or Wendigo's not a cryptid, it's more of a witch, but how we never really came across it because it's a shape-shifting creature. So I'm just like, how the hell did we miss this? But the Aswang for centuries has been part of the Filipino culture, a creature that brought fear and mayhem all over the Philippines. The first written stories are from the 16th century, written by the Spanish conquerors that came to the Philippines. But it is believed to have been passed down since the 13th century. And since then, it has been blamed for many savage and violent death over the years. Now, this creature, the Aswang, also known as the Tick-Tick. What? What? I know, it sounds weird, but it's actually really clever. So it makes a weird ticking noise when it finds its prey and it's going to attack. Now, you're over there looking like, how is this clever? It sounds like the Predator. Kind of. But it's very clever when I say this. So it makes a ticking noise when it spots its prey, or it could be animal or human. Now, the closer that it gets to its prey, the softer the ticking noise becomes. It tries to trick you. As it's further away, it's loud. But when it gets closer, it gets quieter to make you think that it's moving away from you. So you let down your guard, and then it attacks. And this is like in the forest? You could just be walking along and you hear like a ticking sound? Yeah. Okay. Now, like I said, this creature is known all over the Philippines. The Aswang is most often reported being on the second largest island of the Philippines, the Mindanao. Now, even though it is the creature of folklore, many people have said that they have seen the Aswang. This is, and this is where it gets weird, because there is no one true description of the Aswang. It has multiple forms. Now, before I get into forms, this creature is of many things, they say. It's like part vampire, part witch, part weirbeast, because of all these different forms. 
But during the day, this is where it kind of sounds like a vampire. Eh, more like a weird beast, you could say. During the day, you would never know really if you were walking alongside one. They can disguise themselves as humans. So they would look like just almost any normal being if you're walking down the street, not really looking for them. They're mostly seen as women with long hair, dark hair, but their hair always covers their eyes because their eyes are of bloodshot red. So they kind of just try to hide it. And some paranormal experts, when I was reading up on this, they say that if you look into the eyes of the Aswang when it's in its human form, and if you see your reflection in their eyes, but your reflection is upside down, that's how you know that you're looking into the eyes of an Aswang. Okay, so they see everything flipped. Correct. Now, nighttime is a different story. Like I stated, they have multiple forms. Usually they're described as having an extremely emaciated body, pretty much real skinny, with gray and, I don't know, saggy skin, kind of, or just weird skin. And they have like sores and some boil covering their entire body. So it's nasty looking. They have milky white eyes and they say that their eyes show no emotion and it just makes you feel like a chill down your back because it's so cold. So someone must have seen this up close. And of course, some people just say that it kind of reminds them of a ghoul, just this scrawny thing, just looking for its next meal. Now, when I said that they're part vampire, they do suck blood, but not by the normal vampire ways of going around and biting people in the neck or shit like that. Ooh, how do they suck that blood? They have a long ass tongue. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know. It's really long and it like kind of like clamps down and one their victims and it sucks the blood like that. So kind of like a leech, kind of like a leech. Okay. Then as I read more, they started talking about what it wears. And I'm like, they're like, oh, it wears ragged clothes, dirty, torn clothes. And I'm like, if they're blending in the, in the daytime with humans and all that, they're not obviously in ragged clothes. They have clothes. So that was, kind of like an eh but anyway just like the wendigo though our patreon episode a few weeks back even though they have a weak appearance they are extremely athletic now before we get into that we're going to take a quick break it's our last one so don't go nowhere all right welcome back they have the ability to run at high speeds and to leap to heights around 15 feet or more in pursuit of their frightened prey so they go all super saiyan when they come after you now their other form that they can turn into this is where, like, when they're chasing you down, they can turn into a weird beast. Most people describe it as a giant dog, but I've seen that they said that it could turn into, like, a giant pig or something like that. Something scary and fast. But for another example is that they can turn into a bat. But it's not just like a vampire bat where they just, they turn into a little bat and they fly. This one, to, in order for it to fly and turn into a bat, it cuts its body in half. The upper half turns into a bat and chases down its prey, while the bottom half is left on the ground. So I can only assume that after it caught their prey, it goes back and reconnects with its lower half. Does the lower half just like slither on the ground? I'm a snake. I'm a snake. They never say, but I assume that it's either slithering or it just sits there. Okay. But yeah, like it cuts itself in half in order to turn into a bat and chase after now, the Aswans can live off of animal meat and blood, but they seem to prefer human meat and blood, especially the heart and liver. Their favorite is the flesh of newborn babies and children. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. In fact, they even go for unborn babies in the womb. 
Ugh, this episode is definitely getting censored. Yeah. <laughs> now, no one's really captured any pictures of the Aswong or anything like that, and there's always like fan art of what it could be. But I did find a video from the show Grimm where they kind of give you a depiction of what an Aswong looks like in the gray skin when it's like feeding off pretty much people. So I have the link for that where we can watch it real quick and get an like idea of what it is. So I'll, we'll provide the link on the website. You can go to it and look at it. But let me know what you think of that, Aaron. All right, I'm playing the video now. It's the girl. She gets up in bed. She's pregnant, and there's like a hole or something in her stomach, and there's like a, a freaking snake or something in her stomach. That would be the tongue. Oh. <laughs> the Aswong. Now, I know in the video it says like, when it shows like the name of it, and it says the Aswongs are vicious Filipino weasen. I, I'm pretty sure I, mis- I said that wrong, but I think it's supposed to mean shamans. Hold on. So it shows just a regular dude talking on the phone and all of a sudden he shapeshifts into like this weird looking, I don't know, like a freaking gargoyle bat creature. That is their depiction of what an Aswong looks like. Dude, that thing is freaking scary. That's like, um, I'd have to say it's like a mix between like a bat and actually, you know what it looks like? Have you ever played the game Mortal Kombat? Yes. You know the character Baraka? Yes, I do. It looks exactly like Baraka. It kind of does, actually, yeah. So, yeah. He's got some fat-ass fingers, too. Look at how fat his fingers are. God damn. He's got some fat-ass fingers. Look That's at those. long nails. I bet he'd be good at arm wrestling. Look how thick his hand is. Thick-ass hand. Yeah. Anyways, that thing's scary. So, yeah, that's the only thing I could find that really kind of give you an idea of what it looks like. Now, even though, like, the heart and the liver is the favorites, it would eat a whole person. It would leave nothing behind usually. But let's say that if you got bit or attacked by one and you somehow got away, just like any werewolf vampire movie you see out there, you're now infected. You become an Aswong? You have a very high chance of becoming an Aswong. So the infection just takes a few seconds to set in. The process of mutation from human to Aswong is going to happen pretty much. There's no avoiding it. Once you get bit, the infection starts, you're now an Aswong. There's no cure for the infection once it has gotten into your bloodstream. Now, once the infection spreads, the victim starts to develop a craving for human flesh and blood, then follows violent mood swings. They are overwhelmed by the built-up rage within themselves until they lose their humanity and become the cannibalistic Aswong. I'm an Aswong. I'm an Aswong. I'm violent. (laughs) I crave your blood, bitch. Give me your heart. Well, that's pretty scary. Yeah. But now for those who are killed by the Aswong, something entirely different happens. You are eaten. Since most of the time, they leave nothing behind. They don't really want to be discovered, though. So it's kind of hard to devour someone and then not be discovered, right? I guess. I, I assume so. I don't know. I've never done it before. Are you sure? Yeah. All right. Just making sure. But... This is where the witch part comes in. The Aswong would take an inanimate object and actually create a doppelganger of the human victim that they had eaten. The doppelganger would then proceed to live for a short time and then die to make it look like a natural death. This way, the Aswong would not be detected. 
They would just think that person just died of a natural cause. These Aswongs are smart. They are pretty smart, but they do have weaknesses. Ooh, let's hear their weaknesses. This is where I kind of go, eh. So just like vampires, they're weak against garlic. I don't really think vampires are weak against garlic, but sure. But the other one is that they are weak against a tail of a stingray. Damn, Steve Irwin. Was he an Aswong? The world may never know. But yeah, you could either take a stingray tail and make it into a weapon or hang it in your home somewhere. And it supposedly wards off Aswongs. I fuck up every single stingray that I come across. And I say, this is for Steve. Start stomping. It's for Steve. Hell yeah. Now, with that being said, considering how deeply the Filipinos believe in this creature, this is where the CIA comes in. Ooh. Ooh, okay. So we have talked about the CIA a lot last week. Yes. The marijuana and the drug running. So back in the 1950s, there was a military man, Major General Edward Lansdale, who was highly skilled in psychological warfare. Lansdale rose high during the Second World War, working with the Office of Strategic Services, a forerunner for the CIA. In 1952, the Philippines was in chaos because of the uprising of the Hucks, which was an anti-government rebel group. The Hucks did their best to try and oust the president of the Philippines at the time, Elpidio Rivera Quirino, who was actually a friend of Major General Lansdale. So Elpidio was having a hard-ass time with these rebel Hucks, so he reached out to his dear friend Lansdale, and he was like, hey man, I'm going to need some help down here to get rid of these damn hulks. Can you help a brother out? Well, Lansdale did not hesitate. This was something that he was good at. So he was glad to help, you know, Elpidio, and he decided to go a psychological warfare route. So he decided to study the rebel group. That's when he learned about the Filipino folklore of the Aswang knowing that they were deathly afraid of this creature. So, in the words of the Major General himself, and I quote, To the superstitious, the Huck battleground was a haunted place filled with ghosts and eerie creatures. A combat Psywar squad was brought in. It planted stories among town residents of an Aswang living on the hill where the Hucks were based. Two nights later, after giving the stories time to make their way up to the hill camp, the Psywar squad set up an ambush along the trail used by the Hucks and it spread fear among the residents and the rebel group. So that night, that squad snagged one of the rebel hucks in the middle of the night off of the trail. They snapped his neck, and with a specially created metal device, they left two deep-looking puncture wounds on the neck of the rebel. That's not all. They then tied a rope around the man's ankles, hung his body from a nearby tree, and let the blood drain from his body from the puncture marks. After several hours had passed, the body of the rebel was lowered to the ground and left nearby to the Huck camp so that they were sure to notice the body. And it was noted that they did find the body and the Cywar squad got overwhelmingly positive feedback from their tactic. Lansdale stated, and I quote, When the Hucks returned to look for the missing man and found their bloodless comrade, every member of the patrol believed that the Aswong had got him and that one of them would be next if they remained on that hill. When daylight came, the whole Huck squadron moved out of the vicinity. So the Cywar squad used this tactic over 15 times to take over, you know, strategic areas to drive the Huck rebels out. Damn. Yeah, and the Major never told anyone of this, like, mission down there in the Philippines until long after his military, you know, time was up. But yeah, I thought that was a 
very interesting story to add to it. Yeah, makes you think that maybe the CIA is doing this with cows for cattle mutilation or certain other things. Supposedly, as I was reading on that, they have done it over in Europe with different things. I don't know for certain what it was again, but it was over in like Italy and stuff like that where they did shit like this to drive back, I guess, armies or whatever. Damn. Corruption at its finest. Central Intelligence Unit. Yeah. Or Central Intelligence Agency. Now, I do have a couple theories to go along with just like the Aswang itself. All right. Well, let's hear them. So the basic one that we've talked about with cryptids, that the Aswang was used as a story to scare people, especially kids, to control where they would run off to and how late they would stay out. So it was the Aswang was pretty much the Filipino boogeyman to them. Yeah. Okay. So that's like the basic one. Okay. I can see that. The next one. Others believe that the Aswang was actually used to cover up brutal murders that fellow man have committed. And it's just easier to say that a monster would do such a horrid act instead of a human. Now, there were many incidents where a man was hanged because he committed acts of cannibalism in the Philippines. And then another incident where a man killed an old lady and tried to kill her husband because he believed her to be a witch. Those are just two examples I found. So they believe that the Aswang was just something they used to cover up brutal murders that they just couldn't believe that a person would actually commit. Okay. Now, this next one is kind of just like they really couldn't give an explanation, so they just blamed it on the Aswang. So how I said that the Aswang liked to feed on like newborn babies and children and then mostly unborn babies. Yes. So they used the Aswang as an explanation for like stillbirths and miscarriages in the Philippines. Ooh, maybe a way for corporations to cover up their pollution, right? The pollution causing all the stillbirths and all that. So they, they push this Aswang to get the people to look the other way rather than looking at their pollution. True. Didn't think of that. Now, the last one is very interesting. Ooh, let's hear it. So as I looked more into the Aswang and stumbled across a rare genetic disease, which primarily affects Filipino men, called XDP. This is X-linked dystonia Parkinsonism. This can occur in any part of the body and may spread to other body parts during the disease. It manifests in many ways, including twisting, dragging a foot, repeated jaw opening and closing, abnormal turning or posture of the neck, tongue protrusion, mouth pursing, or excessive eye blinking. It is believed that people that suffer from XDP are similar to some of the descriptions of Aswongs. It's believed that the original area of the Aswang is to be in the Capiz region, which has the highest concentration of XDP cases, which this, they say it only, it's more highly in the men, Filipino men. So I'm like, interesting. Then I'm just like, the only rebuttal I have to that is that during the day that they talked about, they're mostly seen as women with long hair and all that stuff. but. It doesn't mean that they're all women. I've never heard of this XDP. I haven't until looking into this. So it's X-linked dystonia Parkinsonism. Mm. When you search XDP, the first thing that pops up, extreme diesel power. That's exactly what the first thing I found was. I didn't even look up the pictures of it. Oh, shit. The f pictures of it. Good Lord. Yeah, I can see how people think that that might be a uh, cryptid. Most of them look like normal men, but the way their body contorts and stuff, 
That looks like it hurts for sure. There you go. Check out this picture I just linked on the page. I'll end up linking it on our website. It was a Filipino man basically contorting his body because of this XDP. Yep. That's what I saw. That sort of looks like the cryptid. Yeah. Damn. But yeah, that's my Theories Thursday. Well, thank you for that, Dan. Very interesting. So do you think that this creature really exists? Or do you think it's this disease? Or what is your opinion about it? I don't really think it exists, but I believe like they use it as a way to scare people. And then the CIA military heard about it and used it to its advantage. And sadly, they believe it because, I mean, I don't know. It, it's passed down from, you know, generation to generations, like since the 13th century. So they've always believed in it and all that. So, I don't know, that's taken advantage of their culture and whatnot. But I don't really think that it exists. I just think that it's a scare tactic. Okay. Well, if you or a loved one have witnessed this Aswang cryptid and would like to share your story with us, you could send us an email to Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, or Dan, D-A-N, at Theories of the Third Kind, and we would love to hear your story. And if you've been bitten or scratched by one and are an Aswang, don't hurt us. (laughs) Yes. So do you have anything else to add to this week's Theories Thursday, Dan? No, I do not. I like both topics. I mean, I don't really like the person in your topic, but I like that you brought it up and it's known. Because honestly, stuff like that needs to be known and not many people talk about it. The news don't really report on it. They'll probably write an article and have it on their website, but you won't ever see it on TV or anything like that. Yep. Kind of like the Jeffrey Epstein stuff and all that. So Yeah. All right. Well, that's the end of our Theories Thursday. So now we're going to roll on to our On the Scene this week. If you're unfamiliar with what our On the Scene is, Dan's going to explain it to you. All right. Our On the Scene is where we have someone who goes out, they can interview family members themselves or strangers, and they ask them about current or past conspiracies or anything that's happened in the news and get their opinion on it. And they send us a recording that is about two minutes long. Make sure that there's not a lot of background noise, no music playing, because if there's music, we cannot play it, cannot use it. That's a copyright strike on us. Yes, and we cannot get those. So anyone can do this, meaning you, yes, you, the person listening to this. Just like Dan said, make sure you record the audio with your phone. Make sure it's less than two minutes long. And then uh, there's no music in the background. And then email us with that audio recording, and we will put it in line to play at the end of our show each week. All right, so for this week's On the Scene, we have Scott, and we're going to play that right now. Aaron and Dan, today we're asking people what they think's going on at Skinwalker Ranch. What do you think goes on at Skinwalker Ranch? All sorts of stuff, man. It's a vortex. It's a paranormal vortex. I've just heard that people disappear when they get there. Kind of seems like I want to stay away from there, bro. (laughs) That's a good question. I I have no idea. That is a trippy place. Uh, I don't know. Probably not too much. I don't really believe in any of the rumors. I have no idea. My friend has a lot of stories about it when he went, though, but... I mean, I'm going to be honest. I'm not sure. I just heard, like, it's a lot of, like, weird sightings and whatnot. So, I mean, I'm not sure. Like, There's lots of things say. that people say, so it's hard to know what to believe, you know? I don't know. I definitely think skinwalkers are real. I've heard of skinwalkers maybe about the ranch. I'm not completely sure. 
Thank you so much for your on the scene, Scott. I love those. I love when people go out in the public and get the public's opinion on a certain topic. Yes, I enjoyed that. What do you think's going on at Skinwalker Ranch, Dan? Government testing. That's what I think's going on. I think they opened up a damn portal underground and then all the stuff is leaking through to up above. Ooh, possibly. Sort of like, uh, what's that show? Has that girl called Eleven in it? Stranger Things. Stranger Things. That involves the Montauk chair. Yeah, but still, I mean, like, how they had that portal. Stuff's leaking through. Mmm. But the portal is underneath Skinwalker Ranch, and that's where they're doing all the testing. That's where Montauk relocated to after they got busted. Ooh, yeah. I like that. Anyways, thank you for your on the scene this week, Scott. I love it. And uh, keep submitting them. And also, anyone else that wants to submit one, go ahead. Just record it. Make sure it's less than two minutes. Make sure there's no music in the background. And email it to us, and we'll put it in line. Boom. All right, so do you have any announcements or anything you want to say before we roll this episode out, Dan? I do not have any shout-outs or announcements for this week. All right. Um, In regards to shout-outs, next week we start our shout-outs back up again. Okay? Our shout-outs have turned into Patreon-only shout-outs due to the amount of requests we have gotten. So starting next week, we will start the Patreon shout-outs. So if you're not a Patreon member and you want a shout out, you can sign up. It's five bucks a month. You get access to all of our past episodes and you get a shout out. So yeah, go check it out. It's amazing stuff. All right. Well, with that being said, I want to thank you for joining us today. And again, thank you for all of your support. You're all amazing. Every single one of you. So with that being said, Dan, you want to roll us out? Sure will. It's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts. Because you are not alone.